0: Good morning. Let us look to the Lord. Father, I do know you are the author and the finisher of everything. I thank you for being God and God all by yourself. I thank you for the privilege and the honor to be the vessel that you used this morning. God, I have studied to show myself approved. And now, God, I just rest in you. I trust that what you want to say, you're going to say god what needs to be heard will be heard god i thank you in advance for the one that will want to know you in a very real way today i thank you for the one that don't realize they need you today but god i thank you that your word will find everyone in their respective places god you're able to find us all and speak one word and meet collective needs you're the only one, oh god that knows every issue and you are also the answer So that, God, we give you glory. Lord, we pray that you would just have your way. Let your spirit rest, rule, and abide. And God, I trust you that what you want to do today is going to happen. And God, when all is said and done, we know who gets all the glory. We know who gets all the honor. It all belongs to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're facing some desperate times. It doesn't take long to notice that we are in some desperate times. When you watch the news, listen to the radio, everything that you hear on the news just about talks about the desperate times that we're in. Suicide is on the rise. Mental illness is on the rise. Murder is always present. Political unrest is going on. Racism is on the rise again. We're in some desperate times. And in the scripture, we talk about some desperate times. And I'm going to reflect just for a moment back to Paul in Second Timothy. He describes times that we're in right now, back then. And in Second Timothy, verse 3, I, I want to read it from the message because I love the way the Message Bible turns some things. It says it in a way that makes it clear. And Paul says to Timothy, he says, don't be naive. There are some difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags. Check this out. Addicted to lust, but allergic to God. Addicted to lust, but allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion. In the the King James Version, it says, um, it says, it'll come back to me in a minute. It says that um, having a form of godliness. But behind the scenes, and the message Bible says, they're like animals. Stay clear of these people. Does that sound like the desperate times that we're in? lovers of themselves more than ever and so i realized that we're in these desperate times and i remember i know that i have some desperate times i have some desperate situations that i need god to show up in right away i couldn't be the only one because he has no respect of person and on a daily basis i need god because i recognize these desperate times And the truth is, the person you sit next to looks a lot better than they're doing. They don't look like what they've gone through. And they're not looking like what they're going through. They're having some desperate times. And in these desperate times, we find that there's some cracks in our home life. Cracks in our personal being. Some fragment things. Some brokenness, broken relationships, broken marriages, broken hearts, broken minds, some broken bodies, some broken children, some broken jobs, broke finances, broke households, broke, broke, broke. I'm sure you're in there somewhere, because I am. Broke, broke, broke in some way. But we serve a God who wants to mend our brokenness. You don't have to stay broke in the midst of the desperate times. And the the terminology I remember hearing is when I was younger. Desperate times calls for some desperate measures. And that that phrase was coined by a philosopher, a, a doctor, a uh, Greek doctor, Hypocrisy, who said that the, basically the extreme of the situation may cause for some extreme action to remedy the situation. And we're in those desperate times, and so what we need is some desperate measures. The context of our scripture is written back in 515 B.C., And that scripture reminds me that God is a God of principles. He's a God of laws and a God of commandments and a God of love. And when we intertwine the commandments and the love and the laws into our lives, we benefit from the promises of God. And that's what we have to do. This scripture was written back then, but it's relevant today. And sometimes people say, oh, the Old Testament is, you know, you know, the Old Testament was confirmed with the New Testament. And there's some rich stuff in there. The context of the scripture that Solomon had just finished building the temple. And this is his response. God responds to him for the second time because Solomon was doing some deep praying. If you ever have the opportunity to go back and see how he prayed for the temple He prayed for the people. He prayed for Israel, but then he prayed for the foreigners. He prayed that that temple would be something that God would dwell in. And so God answers him and he says, Lord, and the Lord says to Solomon by night. He came at night when you praying in your closet. He came at night and he says to him, I heard thy prayer and chosen this place for my house of sacrifice. If I shut up heavens, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. God says, if if I shake things up a little bit, this is how you get back across. He says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And will forgive their sin. And heal their land. There's some promises in that scripture. When you go back to verse 14. The latter part. He he lays out the promises. And I want you to know what the promises of God are. He promised. That he would hear from heaven. Now that might sound like a small thing. But really that's a big thing. There are times when people won't hear you. Have you ever been talking to somebody and they're not even listening to what you're saying? I've had that problem. Sometimes my husband don't hear me. And I love him. He don't hear me sometimes when I'm talking. My lips are moving and he don't hear me. There are times that my children don't hear me. There's times when my mother don't hear me. There's times when my boss, uh, my lips are moving, and as much as I'm saying, she's going the opposite way. She don't hear me. People sometimes won't hear you. But when God hears you, there's something about when God hears you. The scripture says he inclines his ear to hear you. William Murphy would say he's leaning in your direction. He says, I hear you. When God hears you, he can deal with the hearts of man to work in your favor. You know, the one that didn't hear you, it can come down from above their head. Because God, when he hears you, the scripture says about praying that it's one of my favorite scriptures and it is eluding me. (laughs) He talks about this is the confidence that I have in you. That if you hear, if he hears me, then I can have that which I petition you for. It's important that God hears me. It's a promise. But then he said, I'll forgive you. Some people need to be forgiven. All of us do. For the person who's thinking, well, I'm pretty morally good. You need salvation. And then you're going to need some forgiveness for every day. Forgiveness is a continuous thing. Because sin is a continuous thing. And if you're thinking that you don't need forgiveness, you need to go back to the scripture. Because it's in there. We need to be forgiven. And God is willing to forgive us. Everybody's done something. You said something. You thought something. Help us, God. We shall need you. Then the next promise he says, "I'll heal your land." Now the context is for the nation, but it's relative to us. He'll heal what's broken in your life. He'll heal that broken marriage. He'll heal that broken body, broken mind. God is a healer. It's his character. He has no choice. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth. He wants to heal. He wants to hear you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to heal your land. But then he says there's some prerequisites. There are some conditions. It's a if then. If you, then I. And so God says, if my people. I can stop right there and tell you. My is relative to ownership. And when he says My people who are called by my name, my called by my name denotes family. Christian, you're part of the family. So if you're not part of the family right now, this promise does not apply to you. But hold on, we'll give you an opportunity. He says, if my people who are called by my name, my folk, His people. He's not asking somebody who don't know him. He said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. I know that's a big word. Humble. Humble yourself. It's a big word because we're living in a state of affairs where arrogance is the the color of the day. Everybody want to be seen. Everybody want to be up front. Everybody want to be the one that everybody come to. But God says, I want you to be the last one. Can you handle being last and not first? Can you handle being on the second roll and not the first roll? God says, I need you to humble yourself. It's okay to not be the first. It's okay not to be the one that everybody needs to get to. In fact, God likes Humility. Humility means you understand that whatever's happening into your life, whatever's happening in your world, whatever issue you have, you understand it's beyond you and you need somebody greater to do it. Humble yourself. God wants you to know He got this. I was listening to Jeff this morning and he said something that I, I just couldn't ignore. He says, Sarah got herself into some trouble and she tried to fix it. She tried to fix it and covered up herself. I'm not even going to go there. How many times do we get in trouble? Because we stick in our hand and what God's supposed to be doing. He says, I want you to know it's me and not you. That's the problem with pride and arrogance. We think we can fix it without God. And God needs you to know he got this. He says, my people who are called by my name. If they would humble themselves. And then he said, I need you to be praying. Pray. God says, I need you to be praying. He said, talk to me. Intercede. Let me handle it. Let me be the first one that you come to and not the last resort. Because people do that. Something happened and they call in everybody in the kingdom. Except God. And I can imagine God sitting there, when you gonna to talk to me about that? Cause I got the answer. But we'll talk to people. We'll call everybody we can think of. But the reality is people can't heal you. People can't deliver you. People can't turn your finances around. People can't do it. People can't give you strength. People can't gird you up. People can't raise up a standard against your enemy. People can't set a table before the presence of your enemy. People can't do all that. Only God only God and so he says I don't need you to fuss about it I don't need you to complain about it I need you to bring it to me because I got the answer if my people us in Christ who are called by his name would humble themselves and pray then he says I'm gonna need you to seek my face Now, he's not talking about seeking his hand. Because that's what we'll find ourselves doing sometimes. God, I need, I need, I need. And sometimes God wants to know, you love me. If I don't do nothing else for you, you love me. And if I don't do anything else for you, I've been good to you already. I need you to seek my face. I need you to seek my face. I need you to seek my will. I need you to seek my mind. These are some desperate times. We need to know what God is thinking. He says, Seek my face. But what we do is we we go after all these other substitutes. We're chasing after money. We're seeking houses and cars and we're seeking sex and we're seeking men that ain't yours, and seeking women that ain't... God says, "Seek my face. Seek my face, material things. God says, "Seek me while I can be found. Seek me in my word. Seek me in your worship." God wants you to seek him. Chase after him. Some of us got some stories. God has been so good. We don't know what to do with ourselves. Seek God. He wants to be sought after. And he says, if my people, my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, And then he threw in a tricky one. He said, turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways. Let me put it in another form. He said, repent. These are some desperate times. Repent. What typically happens is people take desperate times in their own hands and they come up with their own desperate measures and usually they mess some things up. But when God says repent, true repentance means godly sorrow. It means I didn't come to the altar and lay out and cry and then I got back up and went back to doing what I was doing in the first place. Turn, he's meaning a 180, and the, this, is the, this is the fallacy of the church. Some people do the 180 in church. And then after church, they go on around to the 360. I'm going to need you to be godly sorry for what you have gotten yourself into. And then I'm going to need you to turn from that thing. Does that mean perfection? No. But he knows your heart. You know, the ones that, oh, he knows my heart. He really does know your heart. That ought to be scary to you. So when you're using that phrase out of context, that should be making you really nervous. He knows my heart. Yes, he does. He does know your heart. He knows your heart. He knows when you're godly sorry for what you have done. He knows when you're doing everything you can not to do something. He knows. The problem is sin feels good. We like our sin too much. You know the sin that you don't think nobody else knows and you got tucked. God knows. Because God has spoken. This is the interesting thing. When they do that 360, it brings back what Paul said to me they have a form of godliness. That means they looked in, they were in church with their hands up, singing. They had the right language, the right posture. They look holy. And the weird thing about that is, people don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. So we come in with these fallacies in the church. We go to work and they can't tell you a Christian. That's a form of godliness. It looked good, but there was no substance to it. And the bad thing about that is when you are in a form of godliness and you need God, you can't go out there and be falling all out. Oh, God. When you don't have no substance. It's not real inside to you. You can't. The scripture says they, it's a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. God ain't going to show up and jump. He, he doesn't, he, he doesn't, he, you, got, you got yourself into that. God shows up for those that diligently seek him. And so when you're playing that form of godliness, you're going to be missing the power of God. So when you're in circumstances where you need the power of God, you're gonna have to find your sister or your brother to pray you through that. Turn from your wicked ways. He says, I need you to repent. There's some relationships that God has already told you to end. There's to be some changes repentance is repetitive you do this you should be repenting daily and so when you're repenting God will start talking to you about you that's the best person for God to talk to you about is you he'll talk to you he'll tell you don't go over there no more you don't need to be hanging out with that person no more you don't need to do that because God loves you, and He don't want to leave you where you are. So He needs you to repent. He said, "If my people who are called according to my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Desperate measures. Sometimes somebody's got to sacrifice to do that. you got to sacrifice to do that. But he's willing. Are you willing? If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear. If you talking before then... He didn't hear you. He says, then I'll hear. Then I'll forgive. Then I'll heal. We're in some desperate times. And God has already given us biblical instruction about the desperate measures. And I'm convinced that right now, in the state of affairs in the world, we need God. We need His presence and His power like never before. There's nothing happening that's surprising God. It shouldn't be anything happening that's surprising you because it's in the scripture. We, don't, we shouldn't be surprised at the way things are going, not in the body of Christ. We know what the ones that don't know. We know. We know the story. We know we already won. It's the process that people get stuck in. And his word never changes. Never gets old. Always relevant. There's no better place to be in these desperate times than in God's presence. In the middle of his will. So that we can benefit from his promises. God set it up some 2019 years ago. He sent his son to a cross from some stiff necked people. And he took that long walk and that long beating for some people who don't even appreciate it. he took that walk and every time I think of the beating he took it does something to me but he took that beating and the scripture says they stretched him wide they hung him up high and for that there's no greater love there's nothing better And God is willing. My question to you, are you willing? In desperate times, God has already set up some desperate measures. In Jesus' name, would you be staying? Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.